get jiggy with it. That's a Will Smith 90s reference. Yeah, well, I don't. Or is that early 2000? It was off of his Willennium album, so it was literally year 2000. You know the album name. Yeah, dude. Ever since the slap, I tried to do a lot of research on Will Smith. <laughs> I became a big fan. I feel like a lot of comedians did the same. <laughs> I was not. That, Can that... you say comedians one more time? It sounded like he said comedians. Comedians? Like a, a communications uh, edia person. I, I think well, I do want Tanner to sit out. Yeah. <laughs> Get Get ready. This is Happy Valley Comedy. It's going to be one heck of a time. What? I said heck. All right, welcome to the Happy Valley Comedy Podcast. I'm Ryan, and I'm here with our special guest, Adam Browd. How are you? I'm great. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, uh, Adam, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. We got so much to talk about because, one... We've been meaning to have you on the podcast for so long. Thanks. You seem very tired right, right really, now. How's your baby? I just just such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so you have two kids. Yes. And a wife. Correct. You do the comedy. Uh-huh. How do you find the balance? In all that? Um, I mean, weirdly enough, a, uh, a big part of it was my wife finding her passion as well. So my yeah. wife, um, she did the stay-at-home mom thing at the start, and she hated it. Mm-hmm. She It just was not for her, for a couple different reasons. I mean, one, she's not like a big kids person. She's just not. I am more I am more so a kids person mm-hmm. than my wife. And, um, and so that wasn't good for her. But also she went through pretty hard postpartum type stuff. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's going to hit you like a train. So if you already don't have, like, a natural disposition to really, like, take care of kids, and then you're being asked to take care of kids while depression is telling you, you know what the worst thing in the world is? Kids. <laughs> like, it was just such a mess. And so I, uh, so we, we made this big old push for her to find things, and she um, she got really nervous about it. She really loves food, and I kept saying, like, just start off in a bakery at, like, the base level even. And she was like, no, no one will hire me for that. And she just had a lot of self-doubt, all because of postpartum. Right. Eventually, she did some therapy and stuff. She started working at Crumble. Of course, she was amazing at it because the other people around her at Crumble are, like, a bunch of kids who it's just, like, their summer job. Whereas for her, she's like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. She moved up the ranks super quick. Now she works for Crumble Corporate. She's killing it. She's so good. She's doing uh, so much of what she loves that her being able to like feel satisfied doing that um, made her feel good about herself. But then also gave her more insight into like my world. Because there's times so much of her social needs are met through work. There's been times that she'll stay after at work or she'll do extra things with people at work, and I always support that. I'm always like, yeah, you want to do that, so I want you to do that. Mm -hmm. And as soon as she had that herself and she kind of understood like, oh, comedy for Adam isn't just like a thing that's like a nice, it's a needs to have sort Mm -hmm. of deal, it made it a lot easier to get her support. Um, but also it made things just feel a lot more even. So it wasn't just me leaving all the time. Like she had her own thing that we had to schedule out. Um, and then there's other stuff like calendaring and blah, blah, blah. Like we are huge planners, but I would say like just finally like trying to help my wife take care of herself and then me being able to assist her in taking care of herself has made it 
a lot more reciprocal and a lot better. Other than that, I also got this advice early on. Sorry, this is like a long answer, but um, I got this advice early on from this dude who owned like three companies, his own improv uh, theater as well. He performed. Uh, he's a great guy. Anna, who you guys know at Improv Broadway, she like runs, helps run sound and stuff for the open mic. Uh, it's her dad. So I met him down in Arizona. Mm. But I one time asked him, I was like, you do all this stuff. He's also like the bishop, I think, of his ward. So he's doing tons of stuff. And I was like, how do you make sure that you balance it all? And I thought his advice was really good. And he said, whatever you're doing right then, that's the only thing you're doing. Try to make it that way. Huh. So for him, he was like, if I'm at a job, I'm not trying to balance what I'm doing at other places at the job. And of course, it's not perfect. But he was like, the more that you can do that, the more meaningful the time will be spent with your kids and the more satisfied they'll feel as well. So I always try to do that to the point that I like plan out my family time. It's pretty rare that like a Saturday will just chill at home. Almost always, every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I will plan out at least two activities. Me personally, like not even my wife, just me. I'll plan out two activities for us to do on Saturday and two to do on Sunday. That way we can have like really good, meaningful time. Because I made the mistake early on where it was like, oh, I'll put all this effort in this other stuff. And then anytime I see you guys, let's just chill because we love each other. And uh, needless to say, it made it feel like all those people, I think, felt like they were second rate kind of. Uh-huh. Um, but now I don't think there's any sort of question like that. Like both my boys are very much so daddy boys. And I think it's because I like put so much concentrated effort when I'm with them. And then when I'm not with them, you know, I'm giving my all to wherever I'm at. That's my long answer. Cool. Which I hope doesn't sound judgmental. That's not me accusing anyone. I feel like I'm like looking at you most of the time, which I feel like <laughs> makes it sound as if I'm like, what you need to do, Ryan, what your wife told me you need to do. <laughs> and that's definitely not what I'm saying. I'm sure this isn't like new information for anybody. I don't have kids, so you can I just stare it. at me and pretend like you're educating me for the future. <laughs> yeah. All I, I hear is cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. And <laughs> a boy, a boy blue, blue, the <laughs> man in the moon. Can't put that on either. That's pretty good. That's pretty good advice, though. Like, whatever you're yeah. doing now, do it. You know? I mean, it's yeah. super simple. Try to be obsessive about everything you're doing at the moment so Perfect. that you constantly feel burned out. And when you're alone, <laughs> you can't you can't trust your own thoughts. <laughs> to that, that's my advice. <laughs> be obsessive. Babies have their moments where they're like really cute and yeah. fun and you can see their personality. Yeah. The thing is about him, we saw his personality very soon and he's just a dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, he Sorry to hear that. No, he's 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 great, but like he's so particular. Mm. Uh you'll hold you'll hold him and he'll be totally fine. And then zero to sixty, he's just oh. crying. And then it's it's like it's like a where's Waldo of how to make this child happy. Sure. Like, like do you feed him? Do you burp him? Yeah. Do you change him? Do you take him outside? Do Are you, you guys take like him supplementing with formula? Do no. You do that? No. And he won't. He mm. won't latch either, which oh, is well, freaking annoying. I feel like, I feel like we just figured it out. Well, no, it's weird because he doesn't eat any food, and then he cries all the time. <laughs> no, like he 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 doesn't. He takes the breast in the morning. Okay. He doesn't take it in the afternoon. Yeah. And it's whatever at night. Mm. And so it's just like... I mean, do you eat the same thing for breakfast and lunch? I feel like I kind of understand him. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing, though, is that our our daughter was just so perfect. Just every, so easy. Every, everybody was just like, oh, you better enjoy this. And I was waiting for it to get bad. But then... I, and she had her own moments, but not enough for me to be like, this is actually... 
Mm. Our first the reason I asked is because our first kid we didn't supplement at all, mm-hmm. and it was a bit of a horror show. Like he was always pretty upset about stuff. And our second kid, we actually just switched to formula pretty quick, and it mm-hmm. has been just such a dream with him comparatively. Okay, well, I mean, there's a, the, there's the shortage of formula. Sure. So we haven't been going straight to formula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why I, right I said su- supplement, supplement. But we don't even do that. Yeah. But when give it a shot, man. When we changed do, our world. When we do, I mean, I shouldn't speak because. Uh, I'm never at home. I'm always doing this mm. stuff. Yeah. I was telling Tanner the other day, and my wife officially said, this comedy stuff is stressing me out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. Wow, this feels way more like an intervention now. Yeah. We laughed about it yesterday. <laughs> Adam's like, yeah, tell me more about that. I have a degree well, in heart, psychology. No, my heart genuinely goes out. I mean, it was so hard for my wife and I. And yeah, we don't have to stay on this topic. topic no big deal. But like, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm more concerned for your wife than I am for you. But yeah, it just it changed so much. And if you're doing like the whole sleep schedule stuff, I mean, everyone only speaks to what they know, and I don't. I don't know. But just, I just knew that it changed our world when we started doing it. And uh, yeah, it's no fun having a sad baby in the home. Yeah, well, it stresses okay. everyone out. I will say that he has gotten much better. Uh, but more particular. But we're figuring it out. We're okay. figuring it out at the same time. But I am not there to see it. Yeah. So when I come home, I was like, hey, you guys are doing great. And then my wife's like, you're taking over. I'm like, oh, yeah. why? Like, everything seems fine. It's like, because I finally figured out the code today. Mm. I was like, oh, so I don't ever get to see any of that. Except for the days in where I do see that, he drives me so close to tears mm. every day. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've got a, a bit that I've never quite figured out where I talk about, I talk about how every baby gets calmed down very specifically, um, in like their own way and stuff. But the follow up to it that I've never been able to figure out is one of the things that calmed my kid down was rocking him literally like this. Mm-hmm. Like it was so intense and extreme. Um, Where you kind of felt like you were shaking him. I mean, baby shake. It definitely wasn't that because I specifically asked the pediatrician because yeah. I was like, I want to make sure that this isn't like a problem mm-hmm. in any sort of way. And I guess I, I'm assuming right now that this isn't going to be used for the podcast, but I guess if it is, <laughs> basically I'm like lifting the kid up about three feet in the air and, and then like still holding him and like dropping him pretty quick and like going back and forth, left to right, doing that. Mm-hmm. And it was. And it was pretty intense, intense enough that I did I did it once backstage at a show when I was trying to put him to sleep. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, he got very concerned. And I was like, it's the only thing that puts my kid to sleep. But I, but I think that um, had we – my wife and I both agree that we were just like we, – we think he was just kind of starving the whole time. Mm-hmm. And even though he was getting enough nutrients, obviously, because he was still on like a good growth trajectory and that's what the doctor always said. They were always like, nope, he's growing at a steady rate. He's small, but he's on the trajectory for it. I don't think that even if the nutrients were there, I don't think there was enough to like fill his stomach, you mm-hmm. know? And so he was just like, he was just big cranky pants constantly. I, I did the whole 
I don't know what to call it other than sh- shaking the baby, mm. but like what you had said, just rocking them yeah. intensely. But yeah. I, you did the smart thing and you asked a doctor first. I just like, hey, this works. And I did yeah. that with my daughter and she was freaking out with my wife. And she said, I don't know what to do. It's like, give mm. it to me. I don't know what to do. And I did that. And my wife's like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> and, and I was like, it's the only thing that works. But like, that was when we thought that she was like, like, oh, I don't know what everyone's talking about, Yeah, how she's so perfect. She's a baby. Yeah. And then when this one comes along, yeah, and sure. she's just like, I'm going to prove everyone who ever said that yeah. right. Ours is reversed. My second kid has been so easy. One, because I think because of, like, formula and stuff. He, he's off all that stuff. He just eats normal food now and drinks milk. But um, that was super easy. And we had, like, the whole sleep schedule down pat. It uh-huh. is crazy to me to think about people who live where – they're just at the whims of their child for like a year and a half. It's so nuts to me. Uh-huh. Do you guys do that where it's like super specific times and you like wake your baby up after a certain amount of time and Mm-mm. stuff like that? No, oh. like if like that's we... the other thing that like changed mm-hmm. our world. It's so great. Was that the fact that you didn't have to do that? Uh, didn't have to do what the sleep schedule stuff? Yeah. No, we've been like ultra religious about it. Okay, I was gonna say because we we had a doula say like you need to. Well, this was with my my first kid. Yeah. Um. Where, where it was just like you need to set the schedule in your house, and we did that just fine. And I think we lost that information on the second one. But I think my wife is like, it's like you remember that person said this. I'm like, yeah. And then we've been trying that out. But like, I think either I mean, we did it really early on. But mm. like, maybe he's just he he's established his dominance. No, I, I don't know what it is. No, you can coach them back into it. And I mean, they progress along different timelines as well. Like when there are uh-huh. certain months, it's how many naps and how much time and stuff. But uh, it made it so even the first kid who had like a really, really hard time with stuff because I think he was hungry all the time. Even he stayed to a sleep schedule despite uh-huh. just because we were so religious about it. It's like irritating to a lot of people sometimes because... You really do have to be like, I can't be here. That's nap time. Like, you've got to, like, really keep to it. But it keeps you sane so much more to know that you're going to get at least, like, three hours during the day that your kid will be asleep. And Uh then they'll be asleep for, like, 12 hours at night. Like, it changes everything. Yeah. Well, like, when when he was freaking out so much and we learned about gripe water, like, you've never heard of that? I've heard of, we've never used it. I have no idea what it is, but somebody gave it to us, and we were just so desperate, and we gave it to him, and it, like, shut him down oh. hard. And we almost called the hospital. It was like, Jeez. he's not crying. It was just, it was just like bourbon. That's what I was <laughs> Straight vodka. Just yeah. Xanax and, and, and just tequila. That's, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it was. Shut down. He actually became a lot of fun. He yeah. kept telling us how much he loved us. <laughs> Super chill. So, yeah. Yeah, he like we we gave him that, and he just like just immediately, and and we were like checking his pulse. Mm. We called my parents. He was like, he's just he's he's never been like this. And I was like, yeah. that's normal. I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it's mm. it's hard to figure out what the the freaking schedule is. Yeah. Well, you have two kids and yeah. a wife. Yes. And you're. I can send you stuff if you want. Well, I mean, if I you don't care, it. I won't do it. I don't want to be like up in your grill. As you're trying to figure stuff up. That's also annoying. Anyone who gives you advice. Everyone gives you advice. Yeah. I don't want to annoy you with it. But yeah. if you do want the stuff that helped us, I can send it if you want. Cool. If not, we'll forget. Yeah. Do I have to read it? Yes. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Okay. 
If it's a video, great. Uh, no, it would be like <laughs> blog post stuff. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. If you gave it to me, I gave it to my wife, and my wife, she likes reading that kind of stuff. Okay. I appreciate it. Okay, we'll send it. One thing I know Ryan likes to ask in every podcast that we didn't ask you, mm. how'd you get started in comedy? Oh, I, uh, I did my first stand-up bit, show, whatever. When I was 15 years old, the state of Oregon, for part of speech and debate, they had a, well, it was called... It was called After Dinner Speaking, and I was told they called it that because saying it was stand-up comedy made it so people didn't want to give state funding to it. (laughs) And so anyway, one of the sections was called After Dinner Speaking, and the description was, write a six-minute comedic original piece on one topic, which is just stand-up comedy, right? Like it's a long bit is what they asked for, which I think that would be challenging for a lot of comedians in general. Six minutes, one topic. What is this for? This was speech and debate in high school. Oh, in high school. In okay. high school. So it was one section. I was 15 years old, and I did after, and so I, I, I wrote a bit all about my siblings, and I'm the, well, I'm the middle child, but the split in my family is there's three of us that are considered the older kids, two that are the younger kids, and I'm the youngest of those older three. So I got picked on a lot by my older two siblings, and that was my whole six minutes, was just about how they bullied me, basically. <laughs> And uh, and so I did that bit and like refined it and I probably performed it at least twenty times in the state of Oregon and then eventually went to state with it as a competition. Oh. And the final leg of the competition was you performed it in front of somewhere between like five to eight hundred people. Um, and I did that and it was so thrilling and I got second place at state. And oh, I was like, I should have gotten first. Screw that guy. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing that. Do you that. remember who beat you? Is it someone, uh, someone big now? No. I don't. Well, I don't know. I wonder what he's was doing. Was it like Hassan Minaj? I know he got yeah, his start in the uh, debate as well. Oh, that would have been fun. No, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember the kid's name. I do remember feeling like I liked his stuff. And then someone else pointed out afterwards. They're like, that's a bummer you lost to that guy, huh? I was like, no, I thought he was pretty good. And they're like, uh... He literally just went up in front of hundreds of teenagers and said the word vaginitis over and over again. <laughs> of course people laughed. And I was like, oh, gosh, I guess that's a pretty good point. That's a pretty good point. Uh, but, yeah, he had a fun he, – he, his was on not the sex ed talk but the sexual disease talk with your parents, mm. which uh, I remember it being fun. But, yeah, anyway – and then I went back and I did it again the next year and did horribly, but uh, kept doing it. And then eventually, there, I mean, there weren't many outlets in Medford, Oregon for stand-up. Uh, I left on a mission. I came back to Provo, Utah. There was nothing for stand-up, it felt like, except Humor You, which I auditioned for and was told that since they weren't friends with me, I couldn't hang, <laughs> which sucked. So I, so I started doing improv <laughs> instead. And then uh, it wasn't until... Um, Comedy Sports started doing stand-up shows, and I had moved away and built a Twitter following, and so I just read some of my like one-liners, basically. And then John Deming and Brian McDonald from <clears throat> Humor You, who were then in it, they approached me, and they were like, hey, you should come do stand-up and stuff more. And then I started doing it a little bit. And actually, it wasn't until this year. Sorry, I'm like going beyond this, the, the question. But this was the first year that I was like, stand-up's my main thing. Before that, it was last year was screenwriting, and before that, it was improv. But this was the year that I was like, I'm going to give stand-up like a real shot and make it like the thing that I try to do and see mm-hmm. how far I can go. And uh, I made it to Caroline's 
uh, in New York. So it, I really don't get what you guys are doing because <laughs> it's been six months. I do guys. remember that know, last last year. My initial thought was like, "Oh, he's a writer, and he's writing like a pilot." Yeah, I wrote two pilots and some short any, films. And then you word on that. those. Um, I just Jake Christensen just directed a short film that I wrote, and then I'm going to write the feature for it. And then those are still like hanging around. I've got a mini series that I wrote that is supposed to go into production, but I don't know when. But anyway, yeah, cool, yeah. I, but that I was my main focus. If I if somebody yeah. told me that guess guess what comedian in Utah got their start in debate, it my guess would probably have been it just checks out. It <laughs> yeah. just really does. Go on. So what, what does that you, mean? I don't. What does know. that mean? Well, just like, when you were saying this, I was just like, this feels right. Okay. Were you wanting to get into stand up before that, or was it just kind of a challenge and like, all right, let's try this? No, I grew up super poor, super super poor in a city that like. Uh, I felt like there was pretty big discrepancy between the poor kids and the rich kids. Like, they're, the main things in Medford are is, like, logging and healthcare. So mm. your dad's either a doctor or your dad works at the mill a lot of times. And so for, for me, um, yeah, we, I, like, I lived in a, there were seven of us living in, like, a 300-square-foot trailer for a while. And then we lived in, like, a, a duplex and stuff. So anyway... The idea of being a writer or performer in any sense of the word seemed like that's a – everyone treated it where it was like you're going to willfully be homeless. You're already so close to it. You've done it once before. You're going to be homeless again. So I never thought that it was an actual vocation you could do unless mm-hmm. you were rich. Yeah. That's how I viewed it. Rich kids get to try art. Poor kids get to be poor. Well, and there is <laughs> but, a lot of truth in that. I mean, I Mulaney's parents. That. That's generally how it works. Mulaney's parents were lawyers. Berbiglia, uh, his father was like a heart surgeon. Mm-hmm. They met at Georgetown. You yeah. know, and same with Nick Kroll. Um, you see a lot of these comedians do have, a lot of them do come from pretty rich backgrounds. And look at how many of them yeah. have material where it's them rebelling against their yeah. parents. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I was at BYU and someone asked me when I started doing improv, they were like, why don't you move somewhere just to do this? And I, and I said, I don't have money to be in L.A. And then if I lost all my money in L.A., I don't know anyone who could afford to get me out of L.A. Yeah. So I would literally just be homeless in L.A. Now, could I have gone there and maybe like worked and hopefully not been homeless? Like that probably would have been the most likely thing. But there is something to be said for all these people who are like, of course, I'll go out to New York or L.A. and I'll give it a shot and give it a year or two. And if it doesn't work out, I'll move back mm-hmm. home with my parents. Like mm-hmm. I was like, how would I get to that place? Like there's no place for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, well I, I think I think there's something to be said about staying where you are, though, and, and growing mm-hmm. as much as you can where you are. Staying here in Utah. I feel like Utah is an unseen talent pool of comedians. There's so much good comedy here in Utah that I wish a lot of the the rest of the nation could see because there's so many comics here that I would boast and be like, they can go up against yeah. a lot of other comics. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's uh, I think it's less of a question of like talent and more of a question of just funding. Yeah. Like you've got so many people in New York who have the money to do things with it that Obviously, they want their money back, but if they don't get it back, it's fine. And you just don't have the population out here yeah, that's to true. support that. And I think that's what Utah has the hardest time with, which is why also I'm excited for Happy Valley Comedy moving into some of the corporate space. Because I think eventually if we – we're, I don't think we're going to be able to do things the way New York does. I think if we have like comedy stuff out here, it will have to be things where it's like – 
Happy Valley Comedy presents Adam Browd special, sponsored by Crumble Cookies and Podium, <laughs> and that's how it's going to have to happen. Yeah. Which sucks in a lot of ways, because you want to be able to say whatever you want to say, and hopefully these people will get on board with that. But out there, it's nice because it's individuals who are funding it, right? Do you have any voice or any opinion on like a lot of these comedians who are just independently producing their specials now, like Chris DeStefano? Uh, his Weshi was independently produced, and there's a few, uh, Mark Norman during Giannis. COVID, Giannis Papas. They're all just kind of getting Shane their own Gillis. cameras. Yeah, it definitely feels like those people are able to be successful because they've already kind of been successful. Yeah. You know? So, kind of tough. Yeah, but kind of go- going back to how we were just talking about how a lot of these comedians come from Silver Spoons, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. I don't see those guys. I see Shane Gillis, and I think... He's a blue collar guy, you know. That that's just how I feel. Yeah, I don't no, know. He's a funny guy. I mean, he's, he's got funny. his he's got a degree in history, so he's very educated as well. But I feel like he's also worked freaking hard. Yeah. yeah. Like well, he he just comes off I think like all these that. comedians have probably worked and, and, really yeah. hard. And ultimately, I mean, doing things is better than not doing things. So anybody who's like making their own special happen, like that's excellent. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. I I I love a world where people are able to do that just because I love the world where like a like James Acaster's last special, the Cold Lazan Hate Myself or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I paid for that to him off Vimeo or whatever. Right. And I love that. Like Same I love that. the Louis C.K. does that with his specials mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And and I I really be I would love to be able to pay these comedians, but I also get that like uh, you know, the benefit of Netflix is it tells me who has new specials coming up. And that's how I discover new people. Yeah. Well, what about uh, people like Trey Lamb, who here in Salt Lake City has organically, just from Salt Lake. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, he's up to, what, probably 90,000 followers now? Maybe. Uh, just from posting on Instagram Reels. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, whoever, I mean, doing, once again, doing things is better than not doing things. That's so cool that everybody's, anybody's able to make success. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. I have a question. Do you think... Um, there could be something, whether it be Happy Valley Comedy, could turn into something like Dry Bar, <clears throat> but, th- but not clean. But not clean? Yeah, just a regular comedy. like. And are you saying brick and mortar? I mean, eventually, if you wanted to get to a, like a physical location, but I'm thinking more of like a, we just feature, it's essentially the same thing Dry Bar did, you know, yeah. they picked a niche and... Yeah, I mean, I think there's people trying to move into that space right now. That's Mint Comedy that we're streaming with is basically trying to do that in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think, I think Dry Bar's play right now seems to be let's make a bunch of content and shotgun it out, and when things stick, we push that, mm-hmm. which I think is just a really good play for content in general, and I think lots of people can do that. So I feel like you're... Your question, though, isn't about, like, can we make a bunch of content and hope that some sticks on Facebook? And that's honestly what I think of when I think of Tripar. I think of it as a it is a play towards the Facebook algorithm, and it's playing towards comedy, which is great. I, I like seeing comedy places. Mm-hmm. But I assume your question's not that, because that's just, like, a business scope thing that anybody can do. So my, my question for you, my final question for you before we close this out, because we got to... Our show's going to start soon. This has been a great episode. It's been great. I've yeah. been oh, good. present for all of it. I feel like um, I've been really boring. Well, I mean, that, why do you think we're gonna it took so long? You out of the, uh, yeah, we're going to cut you out <laughs> of this whole episode. That's for sure. It's but, all questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. 
So where do you want to be? Let's say, so last year you were doing screenwriting. The yeah. year before that, what, you were doing improv. Now, this year, 2022, you're doing stand-up. Well, I think last year was the, was the first year that I was like, I'm going to do comedy. That mm-hmm. has to be my life, I think. And then this year, stand-up for it. Gotcha. And where I want to end up is, I, I don't know that I'm like super specific for what in comedy. I really do want to write for television. I think storytelling is so fun and interesting to me. But I don't think, I, I, I can't envision me ever not doing stand-up. <laughs> Because uh, even that time when I was in high school, and I didn't think stand-up was like a real thing people could do, me and my buddy Andy Henselman, we used to come back from the weekend every Monday, and we would talk about the Comedy Central special that happened over Mm. the weekend that Mm. we would both watch independently. We'd talk about Conan O'Brien and all the skits that he did. I ended up writing like my first play at 16 years old and stuff like that. Like I've always been a writer, performer sort of thing. So I don't foresee stand-up ever going away because it's always been a part of me. That being said, uh, I feel like I like to get paid as well. And you get a good, decent, regular paycheck out of doing other stuff, out of doing other regular stuff. And I like those things. Like, I'm really proud of both of the pilots that I've written. And one of them I submitted to screen festivals and, like, it got awards and stuff. So I would love to do that as well. Um, So, yeah, I guess... My dream, my dream job, I'll just do this way. Cut all the stuff I said. My dream job is to be the host of a late night show. That's oh, my dream. Fun. Yeah, no, That's you and dream. I have talked about that. Or like do what Big Buddha used to do. No. Oh. That's a fun step towards it. That's a fun step. Ultimately, though. No, I get that. Yeah. You want to be the next. But that would be very fun if I was like, yeah. But I do agree. Like if Good Things Utah mm-hmm. wanted a person to go around places. Yeah, oh, you fit so you fit fun. the soccer mom demo they're going for. Oh, I'd love it. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love it. Perfect. Well, sweet. Well, thank you so much. Tell us where people can find you. Uh, at Adam Browd is my handle on all things social. And uh, that's probably the best way. Oh, and then also, if you want to see upcoming shows, go to adambrowd.com. And I put all my shows up on there. Adambrowd.com. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being here. This has been fun. Good. It's a it's a fun time. I'm looking forward to the show tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go, let's go be funny. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much. Tune in next time. Bye. Bye. Na 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 na. That probably can't air, huh? Uh, probably just cut probably that out. <laughs> Comedy.